Let's look at the extraordinary BRICS summit yesterday chaired by President Cyril Ramaphosa about the situation in Gaza. The declaration of the summit calling for a ceasefire. Our president saying Israel is guilty of genocide. Also calling for Hamas to release the hostages it is holding. The nations in BRICS, though, may have different views on this. India seems to be supporting Israel. Iran, of course, an incoming member of BRICS, supports Hamas. Professor Chris Landsberg is the Saatchi Chair of Afri- African Diplomacy and Foreign Policy at the University of Johannesburg. Professor Landsberg, good morning to you and thank you for your time. Does the BRICS grouping or the BRICS plus grouping have much weight in the situation in the Middle East? Um, I, 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 I think so. Certainly as much weight um, as, as the others. I think the one external power that has uh, extraordinary and, and more overwhelming weight um, and doesn't always use it for the good is, of course, the United States uh, of America. In fact, let me just say to you that apart from the um, the the genocide that's happening there, and if you want us to, um, to have a discussion, Stephen, about why I subscribe to the idea of, of genocide, we could do that. But I think America has other strategic objectives. I think there's a, there's a real um, imperative and desire to bring Iran into this conflict, to broaden this, this conflict. Why would you send a nuclear submarine uh, to such a volatile uh, area? Uh, and, and if I could make a prediction for you, now that there's a deal struck on the hostages, and there will be the the three day, four day lull. Um, don't be surprised if Israel, um, you know, focuses on on Lebanon and Hezbollah. But but I suppose the um, uh, the truce also counts for for that part of the world. But BRICS but BRICS does have. And just to and just to finally add something to what Professor uh, Lapia said, I think South Africa did cut itself out of having any influence over the process to the extent that by cutting ties with Israel, uh, it automatically cut ties with Palestine. I'm not saying that was the intention. I'm simply saying that Israel's dominance over Palestine is so serious that it is Tel Aviv that does a diplomatic accreditation um, of countries not the Palestinians themselves, and expect the first salvo from Tel Aviv, um, the first retaliatory salvo, is is to cut South Africa out, including uh, diplomatically out of Palestine. Okay, um, that adds a lot of a, a lot to it. Uh, the divisions in BRICS, Professor India supporting Israel, Iran supporting Hamas, does that make it difficult for BRICS to really act in any united way? Um, well, they have, they, have, they have no choice but to um, act in uh, any uh, in, in a rational way. I, I would add, a, I would actually add a third country there, Stephen. It's incredible how fluid um, uh, international politics is, right? Uh, th- three months ago, when we hosted the BRICS summit, um, there was lots of celebration that Argentina uh, is the only new um, South American neighbor that joined. Uh, well, the new um, austerity-driven um, right-wing economic president, the incoming president, didn't only um, threaten to cut ties with China, with China, not over this matter. Uh, it also said it's going back to dollarization, not de-dollarization 
um, of of their currency. And, and that begs the question, what is their stance going to be uh, over BRICS? But to answer your question in a nutshell, I think what it does, these differences, um, and let me just say, I think Prime Minister Modi basically got back at President Xi, who failed to rock up for the G20 summit when he hosted it in September. That's the Indian Prime Minister. And that's why he didn't participate yesterday. Lots of tit for tat. I suppose the one advantage is... It forces these countries to come up with a, um, I don't want to call it lowest common denominator, but a pro-peace, a pro-ceasefire, a pro-ending of hostilities on both sides, given that there are supporters and backers um, of, uh, of, of both protagonists in this conflict. Professor Landsberg, we're literally about to run out of time, but he did use the phrase genocide. Our president has used the phrase genocide. Genocide's a, a key word here because that would give the International Criminal Court jurisdiction. Why do you believe this passes that test, that it is a genocide in Gaza? Yeah, because because I think people get to fixate that when they talk genocide, Stephen, uh, briefly uh, get fixated with the numbers. You know, is it 10,000 to 20,000? Is it a quarter of the population, a tenth of the population? That's not the point. The Geneva Convention, um, uh, the UN Convention of 1948 on genocide actually says that if a country acts against a people in a manner where that is surely to arise from that act and many people stand to die, not just from military attacks, uh, disease, um, destruction of of, uh, infrastructure and the like, that could lead to genocide. And that's clearly what's happening here. I mean, with this deal that's been cut on the hostages, just in short, it now goes from two trucks of fuel per day to 500 um, by tomorrow, because this deal is only about to be implemented tonight, tomorrow morning, the latest. And look at how Israel would go on the offensive today and use the 24 hours uh, to continue with its bombardment before the deal kicks in. Professor Chris Landsberg, thank you. Sarchi, Chair of African Diplomacy and Foreign Policy at the University of Johannesburg.